to the Better Golf Podcast, powered by Win Daily Sports, where betters go to bet better. Here are your hosts, Tee Off Sports and Sticks Picks. Better Golf Pod Nation. I hope everyone out there is doing well, and I appreciate you joining us here today for a special U.S. Open episode. If you aren't doing so already, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Sticks Picks. That is S-T-I-X-P-I-C-K-S. You can also follow me at T Off Sports. But I want to get right into this show this week, man. How's everything going for you? How's the betting market? How's DFS? Talk to us a little bit. Uh, it's been a struggle the past couple of weeks. RBC sucked. I missed multiple bets by a stroke the week before at the Memorial. So that was fun. That was a clean sweep at the Memorial. Uh, DFS the last two weeks um, has sucked also. So um, we're one good week away from a monster year. That's kind of how you know, MME and, and stuff like that works. But um, I am excited to get back to the MME pool this week. The last two weeks, I really haven't um, had the time and or loved the outputs that I was getting with optimizers and ownership. So excited to get after it. Um, of course, we don't really know a whole lot about besides what we read on Twitter and on the internet. Um, for the most part, I'm factoring in guys that are going to be solid at extremely firm conditions, pretty long par fours, uh, long par threes. I don't necessarily agree with strokes gained on long par threes like historically and stuff like that i mean there's going to be a lot of undulation so just want ball pure ball strikers uh guys that can get it up and down around the green i think the bermuda rough surrounding the green is going to be the the main issue here i don't think anything off the fairway is going to be that big of a deal but placement off the fairway should matter and then putting i know you're pretty high on putting this week as well um more three putt avoidance i think is probably the way to go um this week um and you know probably inside 10 feet guys like that you know people are going to put the ball close but they got to bury it um so i'm excited i do think there is a very interesting way to go about this dfs slate but we'll uh we'll get into that as we go i just updated ownership percentage i told you that so a lot of these takeaways will be live on the show because i had not updated in about the last 24 hours so i think it's going to be interesting discussions that we can have you always get these major championships where ownership seems to condense in all the same areas and From an MME player pool standpoint of it, you can find ways to get different. And there's going to be certain players that, whether we agree or disagree, that become kind of landmines, I guess would be the best way to put it, to where uh, there's golfers that if you can avoid those landmines, specifically at a U.S. Open, you're going to be ahead of the game there. And it's just trying to figure out a way to condense this player pool down for a course that, as you said, we don't necessarily have a ton of statistical information. I mean, we have no statistical information, but we do have certain factors that you mentioned, Nick, that I do think we can at least highlight when trying to build a model. And I've talked about this a lot. And and I feel like we have done this almost every episode recently, because a lot of these courses have either been brand new or not on tour for a while. And we kind of keep running into the same thing. Like when I get courses that fall under that pretense there, I always try to find similarities, not necessarily comp courses, but, but intangibles that can be proven when you look at the venue. I can look at this and I know historically from US Opens, US Opens are hard, difficult golf courses. I want to know how somebody plays out a thick rough. I want to know how somebody plays in challenging scoring conditions. I want to know how they play on a firm and fast course. I think those are all things that you can throw into a model and without even knowing exactly how it's going to weigh from you know, a total driving or approach or any of that. Like there are ways to try to get an answer, just building this in a much more simplistic sense with it. Like 
if I look at firm courses, hard courses, fast courses, thick, rough, that was 37.5% of my statistical weight this week. Everything else that went into it, yeah, I have a weighted strokes gain total for 35%. That's going to take some of my projected recalculations from proximity, some of my recalculated um, total driving numbers. It's going to add some of the recent putting. You mentioned it. I did weigh putting this week. I think in retrospect, and I might go back and make a little slight alteration, I would like to add a little bit more three-putt avoidance because I have kind of made this comp a million times that I think there are similarities to this course to Augusta. And Augusta is one of the most pronounced three-putt avoidance courses that you want. So I'll probably add a little bit to the mix there. But I mean, other than that, it really just comes down to like a weighted scrambling category that I ran. It's going to be bogey avoidance numbers how somebody can scramble in and out of these bunkers. Um, weighted scoring takes place between the par threes, fours, and fives. You kind of talked about it. You have a really weird, awkward distribution of these holes. Like on the scorecard, you're going to see par threes that are nearly 300 yards. That's almost like a fool's gold sort of a situation where it's not a 300-yard hole. It's going to play straight downhill. We could make an argument of how long that hole actually is, given all the fast and firm and downhill nature of it. But the uneven lies and and the slope and all those answers that come into the mix are, are going to be what decides the winner here. So we both have used this example on prior shows that we've done together. Uh, so I know you agree with this. It's like that five-tool player that can hit every single shot that they have in their bag, including being able to putt and you know, for a guy like Scotty Scheffler, maybe you can make an argument that his three-putt avoidance is so solid that he can still win this tournament as, as long as he doesn't lose like 10 strokes putting. And I would not argue with anybody on that. I think Scotty's this is his tournament to lose. But I also am weighing and I do care about recent putting form, which I think even more so throws it into the mix. Like Scotty Scheffler is number one in my model. I don't think you're building a model correct if Scotty Scheffler is not number one. But even throwing as much putting as I did to the mix, it didn't throw Scotty off the track for what my model thought of him. So, I mean, even as a single digit outright, I, I think there's some legitimacy to it. Yeah, I would agree 100%. I mean, you're going to need five tool players to play well in a major pretty much verbatim every single week um, that it's a major. So um, you want to go into bets first or DFS board? Let's get the bets out of the way. We can fire through these. All right, I will go in the outright market here first. Where are we at? Tony Finau, 40 to 1 on DraftKings. Sanjay M, 50 to 1 on Caesars and FanDuel. I think it's 55 to 1 now, so I must have got a bad number. I like Sanjay here. I don't love him, but at 50 to 1, that's kind of how um, you'll kind of get the, the theme of my betting board here is more of these middle of the pack, upper tier guys. Tyrrell Hatton, 35 to 1 on points bet. Absolutely love Hatton this week. One of the few guys to check all six boxes for me, or all five, if you will, uh, par four scoring that are 450 plus yards around the green, total driving uh, relative to par from 200 plus yard approach shots. So those mid to long irons and bent grass scoring overall, fast bent grass greens and firm greens, I should say, as well, and firm fairways. Um, what else we got here? Uh, long shots, Mita Pereira, 120 to one and Patrick Rogers, 310. What does the outright board look like for you? And what are your thoughts on Finau, Sanjay, Mito and P-Rod? Basically leaving myself a lot of room for in-play because I am not going to take Scotty Scheffler at seven to one right now. Um, he's obviously everybody's number one in their model and everything like that. And like you said, three putt avoidance for Scotty has been fantastic. So 
as bad as the putter is, it is still plenty good to uh, contend, especially with his ball striking. Yeah, I, I like the way you built your card. You kind of did, did it in an exact opposite fashion of the way that I built mine. And um, in retrospect, I would love to have extra bullets to be able to pull on from an in-tournament standpoint here. Um, I took a very aggressive approach on my card, and I'll, I'll mention your players before I get to them. But, you know, I, I think that, like, for me, I'm always somebody that wants to be sub one units if I can figure out a way to to work that in. So like sub one units and exposure to win between eight to 12 on the total that I'm trying to get to. It's not what I got this week. Like I have over slightly over a unit, 1.17 units at risk. It's all to win between 7.2 to 7.5. So that's as aggressive of this card as you're ever going to get from me. And uh, it takes me out of the in tournament outright market. So that's an unfortunate answer to where I kind of drew my line in the sand before this week started. And uh, I'm going to roll with it because I did think I had value at the numbers. Some of them have moved in my favor. Uh, some of them have moved against me, but I think for the most part, even like the ones that have moved against me, I've been very aware of that was probably the case with it. Um, which at least from a recommendation answer, what I've been telling people, but I think Finau, when we look at fast and firm courses, number one in my model there, uh, I love Tony Finau for masters in us opens. I think those are probably the two best majors where he gives himself a legitimate chance to win. Uh, I know people always say a PGA championship for him. I've never necessarily thought that I've always thought a U.S. open might be a better fit just because of his ability to score from around the green. Um, I really like his intangibles here. I didn't get there, Nick. It's this might be the end of me. If Tony Finau wins this week and I don't have an outright <laughs> on him. I mean, I'll be extremely happy. I love the number I got. It'll be a great week for me if he does, but yeah, I will. Uh, I'll feel for you with how much you bet Finau, especially when he's like, 18 to 25 to one range you're always on him no matter what type of contest it is even in a major you've made those bets yeah. and now he's 40 to one and somehow you're not in there so yeah good luck i like him i like him and that's what's tough it's like you know i already have so much exposure on my card that you have to pick and choose your spots here and i kind of took a strategical approach and i'm not even saying it's the right approach but if you look at the the history of my major cards over the past i would say two years every single card and, and prices have moved. It's it's less a, attainable right. this time around. My outright card is always Rory. Usually at, I mean, I guess like recently the prices haven't been as good, but it's always some combination of Rory, Finau, Xander, Cantlay. Like I can't do that this time around. Rory's, you know, going to be in the teens if you shop around. Uh, same answer is going to be given for Cantlay and Xander. Like it was a lot different when I was getting them at 30, 35 to one. I think Finau makes a lot of sense for somebody that you can at least consider for all the reasons that we keep talking about. It's a really nice course fit for him, but um, I like him. I have actually seen Sung Jay. If you really shop around, I think you can find him in 70 right now. Where's that at? Uh, you could say the book. It's, somebody it's, it's, uh, tweeted. This is not the action show. Somebody tweeted where there was a 70. There's a 66 at points bet. Um, Son of a bitch right now while we sit. That's what I am seeing. I mean, I'm not on the app, but that's what it shows on the site I'm using. I mean, I don't necessarily expect him to win, but the value there is fantastic, especially for incredible number. Difficult to par scoring too. I mean, he fits every. He's seventy to one on points, but seventy to one. Okay, perfect. So it's even higher than that. Yeah. Um, Good lord. All right, I am going back to the well. 
I, I think like that's kind of like the the general sentiment that I've been trying to explain. Like, and this is something to keep in mind for every single major championship. There's such a fight for every last dollar that you're going to get these massive disparities between sites where somebody might have Sung J 40 to one and somebody might have them 70 to one. And if you're patient, you can usually shop around and find the best number of it. There's going to be certain guys that you kind of just know they're going to move. And like, that's when I was in the Roto Bowl or Discord chat on Sunday night, I kind of wrote that and was like, look, I think Cam Smith and Hatton are going to get lower, which they did. I think Homa is going to get higher. And then I didn't really exactly know where Wyndham Clark and Joaquin Neiman were going to go. We kind of had, we saw them boost way up and now they're starting to drop at certain books with it. So it's kind of like find where you can get the best number, but I grabbed Cameron Smith at 33 to one. I think anywhere in the thirties, if you can find that makes sense. I took Hatton at 40 to one. That is the price that I'm talking about. That's now dropped in at like 32, 33 to one range at a lot of books. Uh, there's a lot I like about Hatton this week, Nick, and I, I've mentioned this a couple times to you. He has the most similar profile that I can find of what Matthew Fitzpatrick brought to the table at last year's U.S. Open, where the tournament history wasn't where you wanted it to be, but the statistical data and then the, the course-specific fit that I had from him really is propelling him up my model. So I would not be shocked if Hatton ends up winning this tournament. Um, obviously, I liked it better if you could have gotten a 40, but I'm still fine in the 30s. Uh, I bet Max home at 30 to one. That was one of the mistakes I made. And it's, it was, it was a spot where I kind of knew that I thought he was going to go up to 35 to one at most books, just from the general assessment of what a lot of people were saying. And I think you can find a 35 to one right now over on DraftKings. If you shop around, um, I don't know how much higher than that you're going to get. I mean, maybe there's a, like, what is he at? Do you know off the top of your head, what he's at at pinnacle and what he's at? I yeah, hold on one second here. Stand by, stand by, stand by. Who are we looking for at Pinnacle? Homa. Homa. 31. Okay, so then I I take if I think 35 might be the best that you're gonna get. Like markets are more yeah. inclined to copy that. So uh by the time this show airs, if you did have interest on Max Homa, I think 35 is a very interesting number uh to consider on him. I grabbed Wyndham Clark at a hundred to one. The best price in the space. If you have uh circa available, I see him at a hundred there. Yep. He was a hundred at a couple other places. Those numbers have moved, but I, I mean, you can find 90 on bet online, 90 on Bovada, uh, 85 on FanDuel. All those prices seem very conducive. I grabbed Joaquin Neiman at 125 to one. Um, that was on bet online. As of right now, he's 130 to one at Circa. So you could find a better price there. He's 124 and a half essentially at Pinnacle from what I can see. So I like that number. And then I ended up betting Victor Hovland at 18 to one. Like I agree with your general um, viewpoints on this because you made this argument somewhat recently when we were on a show where I think you used Sungjae as your example. Like you'd rather bet Sungjae specifically now at 70 than bet Hovland oh, at 18. And I would like to have another chance to get Sungjae on my card. That's another golfer. I'm going to be very disappointed if he wins this event after how many times I've placed a wager. I don't know though, Nick, like I can make a really sound argument that outside of, I mean, I guess Kepka needs to be where Kepka is at this point, even though I'm never going to be the one that jumps into those prices that we're getting. But like Scheffler... Rom, 
Rory Kepka him like that to me feels like the big five this week. And I know that's not the answer that everybody would give. Like Cantley obviously needs to be considered. Xander needs to be considered, but I'm betting a little bit on the unknowns of Hovland to where my model really liked him. And I don't know if we know what Hovland's going to be a year from now to where look, I mean, how many times can I bet Cantley and Xander and they don't win golf tournaments? It doesn't mean that they won't win this event. I think that they're intriguing options, but the value has also been suppressed to the point where it's really tough to bet them. Like I'm almost hoping that my numbers are moving in a direction with Hovland to where he legitimately starts pushing Scotty Scheffler for like number one on my board in some of these tournaments. And we're not there yet, but if he does turn it into that direction, I think there is an argument to be made that I know I would never be able to convince you on that Hovland may be more of a legitimate, like 15, the one guy, if he continues this trend. I mean, the ball striking is there. Everything about his game is there, and he kind of broke the seal on winning a big tournament at the Memorial. I get it. It's a tough thing to stomach, um, and I have I understand why a lot of people are doing it with Cantley and Xander. It's just, like I said, like I have a very high exposure card to begin with with the way that I bet, bet my card. Like I'm going to have to pick and choose my positions here, and I, I like the idea of the Hovland-Homa hat in – cam smith route rather than one trying to stack it at the top with scotty like i'll try to take him on with multiple players which i think sure. we both agree with and then the one player i want to talk about and we can talk about him more in dfs because i know we both have takes on him rory's the intriguing one here i can't bet rory at the price that he's at but man my model wanted to do it my numbers love him too um i probably am going to get there at 14 to 1 i do have room for it I have to lay half a unit on it, though, and that would put me at just over 1.2 units in the outright market, which is pretty high for me. That's It reaches um, the point where you don't have the exposure that you would want to have from an in-tournament betting uh, answer there. But I don't know. Like, I just, to me, this feels like a spot where Rory's going to top 10 this tournament. And and I agree with the the movements in these markets from, from the head-to-heads that I'm looking at, like massively being pushed over pretty much anybody who's not named Scotty Scheffler. Like I see a yeah. minus 150 at books against Kepka. Like I kind of agree with that. Like I'm fine with Kepka. I'm not going to be fading Kepka. I've played that game one too many times and I'm specifically not laying minus 150 to do so in these spots, but Rory feels safe to me where he's going to produce a top 10 finish. I just don't know if I trust him to win a golf tournament. Like I would rather just make him beat me. I think. I think that's fair. But I guess that's it from betting. Um, oh, I guess we could t- have you mentioned your other bets. Yeah, um, I play of the week this week. Um, we'll see how it goes. It's been ice cold outside of that Russell Henley hammer kit a couple weeks back. I'm going to go Mito Pereira top 40 plus 125 on FanDuel. I think that number's dropping. Um, so I would revert to your best bet on bet 365 at 52nd or better at minus 120 because I do believe that number on FanDuel has moved to plus 115. I had it at even money. So even for me, that's kind of scratch and get value there. Yeah. So I will go Mito Pereira, 52nd or better on Bet365. Um, anything else you want to mention or you want to break down this DFS board? Very quickly, I think there's a lot of Bet365 placement markets that I found intriguing this week, or finishing position markets, I guess I should say. So that Mito Bet at 52nd or better. Uh, our co-host of Links and Locks, Roberto, brought this one to my attention. Russell Henley, 57th or better. Denny McCarthy, 58th or better, kind of where I'm looking at there. And then I'm just kind of just trying to find exposure to 
You know, I have a Russell Henley top 20 at bet 365 for plus 333. Amito Pereira top 20 at plus 280 over on bet 365. I like Sheamus and Andrew Putnam if you're throwing darts down the board as top 40s in that plus 200 range. Uh, the one bet that I did go more towards the middle of the surface there was with Wyndham Clark at plus 120 for a top 40. But that's kind of the, the same answer you're going to hear me give a lot this week is it's guys like Clark and Mito and Henley and McCarthy. I am just trying to figure out different ways to gain exposure to them. And it's really hard from the matchups pre-tournament because they're either placed against each other, which is going to take that bet out originally from it. Like I'm not going to be able to get any action there or they're priced against other players that I didn't necessarily want, you know, exposure against, or which is even worse. They're like minus 170 and it's completely juiced out to where I can't get down money on it. So when that's the answer, I will just be keeping an eye on players like that in, in tournament bets. And I think hopefully we can find some value in the in-tournament betting market, which, man, Nick, I mean, we you were just talking about losing shots or uh, bets by a stroke here and there. Last week was one of the most frustrating weeks from an in-tournament bets that I had. Like, it just kept happening every single two seconds to where I was up three shots with like four holes to play on these in-tournament bets. And I checked back on the app and it lost by one. It just happened continuously over and over. And uh, that was one of my great escapes. I felt like I thought I was going to lose eight or nine units. Like it looked like everything wasn't going to come in. And I escaped down 1.56 after a big comeback on Sunday. So sometimes those losses are even better than a win because I was anticipating it just being a terrible week. So I was happy to escape with what I did there. Yeah, let's do it. DFS, U.S. Yes. Open, 10K and above. We got Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantlay, Brooks Kepka, John Rahm, Scotty Shuffler. What are your thoughts on the top of the board? I kind of like all of them. I mean, I never liked Brooks. It killed me at the PGA. Everything he does, it turns to gold. You know, he's amazing in majors, great form. The only thing you could maybe say is he's probably been on a bender since he won. Does that matter to you? I, I just rather, like, I'd rather have Cantlay at 10-3. And I'm indifferent on Hovland. I think he's in fantastic form. Obviously, the ball striking is amazing. Guys went at the Memorial. Don't love the ownership close to 20% when Patrick Cantlay's half that. Is that – I see, I just updated my numbers. I could be wrong. I have Hovland less. Really? Then less than Cantlay? Mm-hmm. Then we have vastly different sources, so we'll have to check that out. But what are your thoughts on the top of the board? I mean, everybody's great. We don't need to spend a whole lot of time on 10K and above. Is there anyone that's a hard fade for you? No, I think it's a pick your poison sort of situation up here. I, I just from principle. I'm, Do you like, you like John Rahm at all? Is he worth the cost? I mean, it's John Rahm. I don't ever want to say that, but he grades well below everybody else up here in the expected weighted short game that I'm running. He'd probably be my least. I mean, him or Kepka would probably be my least favorite of the two. Um, I mean, it's hard to argue against Scotty outside of the ownership that he's going to bring. I mean, I, I think he's a top 10. Cantley kind of give the same answer. And then Hovland, I only have 14% for him. So we'll see if that ends up coming to fruition or not. But I, I like Hovland. Like to me, my model thinks that the pivot in this range is Hovland looking at the ownership percentage. And um, I don't have Cantley necessarily very high also either, but I, I am in on Hovland. I am probably out on Rom and Kepka. I mean, I don't know how I can be out at this point on Scotty. I just think he's going to produce a top 10. And then 
I don't know. I don't know what to do with Cantley if I'm being honest. That's fair. I'm going to probably play Cantley. 9K range, the only guy I have out of the player pool right now is Morikawa. Injury concerns, and I just don't love his game in general. Uh, I did like him at the Memorial, and he was two strokes off the lead and then withdrawal, so that pisses me off. But again, I do play with uh, a bias issue, so note that. But I like Cam Smith, sub 10% at 9K flat. I think Fitzpatrick without the braces at 9,100 is a fine play. Jordan Spieth, 15% ownership at 9,200. What are your thoughts on Jordan Spieth? My least favorite play is Morikawa, which you mentioned. The ownership worries me a little bit with Spieth, and, and I could see this being one of those situations where it just continues to climb. Like, as people keep giving answers, and I've given this answer a million times, with the wide-open nature of it, it does help players like Cameron Smith and Jordan Spieth. And it seems like everybody keeps wanting to play Spieth over Cameron Smith when push comes to shove here. Uh, I would rather play Cameron Smith, so I have an opposite answer there. But I don't know. I, I'm kind of in the same spot that you're in, that the only player that I immediately penciled out was Morikawa for different reasons. I still think the ownership's too high for a guy with back spasms and this California narrative that is pushing him up further up the board. But like, I think Rory is starting to turn into leverage at this point. Like he's become such a laughing stock. And I don't know what ownership percentage you see, Nick. I see 18. So, okay, so well, I'm a little money. bit less. I have 14. Um, I think there's a big difference of that 4% there. I think anytime you start pushing towards 20, uh, it changes the game a little bit, but depending on where Rory ends up landing, the Rory's intriguing. I think Xander has the safety that you want for one of these sorts of tournaments. I have no problems there. I like Homa more than the average person. It seems like this week, uh, I've been making this joke. Like everybody keeps wanting to sell their max Homa ticket to the point where I, uh, I purchased a ticket yesterday at 50 to one that somebody sold, uh, on Twitter. And then like, I had like five people write me, Hey, you want to buy my ticket? And it's like, yeah, I'll buy everybody's just tell me, <laughs> tell, tell me where to send the money if it doesn't win. But I like Homa's upside. I, I think we've gone the opposite direction with him. And then uh, for all the reasons that you talked about Fitzpatrick here, I think it's a really nice setup for him where he could go a little bit overlooked just because he's a defending champion. I've never really understood that narrative before. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of problems in the NIK range other than I'll probably be out of Morikawa. Xander's ownership's crazy. That's the problem. <sighs> yeah, it is what it is, but, I mean, he's as steady as they come. Not let, sure let I'm me, sold on Rory yet. We'll see what happens there. Let me ask you this before we move on. Um, like, compare Xander to, like, who would be your who would be your favorite player in the $9,000 section? And if it's Xander, who would be your second favorite player? Yeah, it's Xander. Um Second favorite on paper, Jordan Spieth, but ownership's a little up there. I'd say Cam Smith and Xander. Okay, so let me ask you this. Ownership included, would you rather play Xander or would you rather play Cam Smith? Cam Smith. I think that I could go more towards that AK range with the savings of Cam Smith that no one's really playing in the AK range. So I feel like I could get a much better, well-rounded lineup, if you will. But there is somebody in the AK range I absolutely love this week. Yeah, we'll, we'll move to that right now. It might be an unfair question to ask also because I think Cam Smith is probably one of the better, um, we want to call it contrarian options on the board to consider. Like he's going to be one of my preferred plays that I am going to fit into lineups this week. So it's not a shot at Xander. I think Xander is still playable even at the percentage because of his safety, but kind of have to be aware of that. Yeah, so 8,900, a guy we love. Ownership loves him, too. The public loves him. Tyrrell Haddon at 8,900. Would you rather pivot off of him or anchor with him? Like, go 2x the field on Haddon, 
I mean, I, like I'm not afraid to fade Tyrrell Hatton. I know he checks every single box for us, but like to get Tony Fino at half the ownership, I'm not sure I like Justin Thomas. I'm not sure I love Hideki either at his ownership, but I feel like, I mean, obviously this is the lever, the the pivot spot if you want to get different. Tyrrell Hatton's ownership is going to be crazy high. Do you, are you just going to ride it or are you fading? Yeah, it? I'm going to ride it. it. I, I I think he's I think he's bringing this form where he is trending towards a victory. And as I said, like this reminds me of Fitzpatrick last year at the U S open where everything is starting to move in this direction to where I I legitimately think Hatton might win this tournament. Like he was, he was my favorite bet on the board when he was at 40 to one. I thought he was the best value on the board. It's changed a little bit as he's moved seven, eight points. That's a big move to make uh, there from 40 to 33, but uh, I can't get myself off of him. I I do agree that Finau is a really intriguing play because of the upside that he possesses outside of that though. Like, depending on where Sungjae's ownership comes in, I could th- swing for the fence with him. But I see higher ownership right now. Um, I, what do you have for Fino? Uh, for Sungjae. Sungjae, I'm sorry, seven. So I have eleven, and that's kind of where it, he's being pushed up into that range where I worry a little bit. But I, I'm gonna see where Sungjae comes in. I think he's somebody you can consider. I am out on Dustin Johnson. Do you have the same thought? Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to play Dustin Johnson. Don't love the long iron play. If it was more like the the Open Championship setup last year where we were all over him, where it's more short game wedge war, I would certainly consider a lot of him. Um, I do like Sam Burns. I think he's cheap enough. I mean, grading on firm bentgrass courses, everything looks pretty good across the board for me. Um, sample size, the last 50 rounds, but weighted heavier towards recent form. So the approach goes down a little bit. My favorite play of the week is a direct pivot off of Tommy Fleetwood chalk. You see like 24% for Fleetwood. I see him almost as high as Xander. I have him at 16 right now, but my numbers might be off. I mean, I just updated. It'll get smoother on Wednesday. All right. Let's say it's 20% to go kind of in the middle there. I want Cameron Young. 5% Cameron (laughs) Young. No one's playing him. I, I understand the concerns. The putter's terrible. Um, the approach game is kind of hit or miss. He did have a spike round or two at the RBC, which I like to see. Dude, I, I'm in on Cameron Young. The last time he was 5% at a major championship was the Open Championship, which is the best week of my life. In terms of golf DFS, I'm all in on Cameron Young, especially to get away from a 20% owned Tommy Fleetwood. Everybody else could have that. I get Fleetwood safe, probably great for a cash game, but get me off that. I want Cameron Young. I'm going to play him. So, yes. Now, I think getting off of Burns, like I'm not on Burns this week. Like you like him more than I do. If I'm going to take a shot. He's 8,200. Like, and no one's playing people in the AK range besides, you know, Hatton, potentially Finau. Hideki's going to be very popular. No one's playing Sanjay Burns Day. I like all three of those guys that were playing probably Hideki. But I don't know. I like Hideki too. Like, it's just a well-balanced board for me right now. So that was essentially the answer I was going to give to the sense that when you look at Burns and then yes, nobody's playing, but then you look at Fleetwood who everybody's playing. I think if I'm going to pick a name to try to get different just for the sake of being contrarian in this answer, like it's either Jason day or, or I guess Cameron young because of the upside that he possesses. I do have massive concerns about what Young's going to bring to the table here. And I almost want to say that I like Jason day the most 
because of that reason to where sure. uh, he has better safety in my model than what I'm going to get with Cam Young. And I'm probably more inclined to want to go today, but it's kind of the same answer to where people are not happy with what they've seen from those two guys recently. They won the tournament and there's been a lot of missed cuts scattered around that. And Cameron Young can't seem to make a putt right now to the point where, I mean, everybody's off of him and nobody wants any exposure to him. So I think those two are very intriguing to consider. Yeah, no doubt. Um, 7K range, we talked about Fleetwood. He's probably going to be one of the most popular players in addition to all these guys right here. Justin Rose, I'm seeing close to 20%. Bryson DeChambeau, 15%. Obviously, he looked great at the PGA and as piquing everybody's interest. Ricky Fowler, 7,500. I think Ricky is just a pure misprice. I could fade Bryson DeChambeau. I probably will. I think I'm going to fade Justin Rose as well and just go to different shares of the gala. Tom Kim's 5% owned. I know he's kind of stuck recently, but not a terrible course fit for my opinion. I think there's the markets going, correcting it, overcorrecting itself from how much the market started to love Tom Kim after this time last year or a little bit a couple of weeks on when we got to the Scottish Open and he went on his crazy run. I, I'm okay with Sahith. Um, I'm okay with Keegan, but I do think I'm going to play Ricky Fowler and Wyndham Clark. I know they're extremely, extremely popular, but Ricky's just a misprice. I think he should be right up next to Jason Day at 8, 8K, right in between Cam Young and Jason Day there. All right, hot take for me. I can't believe I'm going to say this on a show. Okay. I think I think Ricky Fowler should be more expensive than Jason Day. Really? You yeah. like Ricky Fowler this week? Yeah. Okay. So, ben so Grass, much. Ben Grass looks good everything looks good i mean so Not much great, so that, good like i texted you yesterday and this was more from a safety answer than anything else i was highly considering at plus 100 taking ricky fowler over cameron young and you kind of talked me out of that ticket and i agree when cam hits he's gonna hit in a big way i do think for safety though that ricky brings what you want there and uh pretty much any iteration of how i ran my model he was a top 20 player which is the same exact answer i would give for wyndham clark those are sure. just two golfers to me that seem massively mispriced. So even though, yes, the ownership is going to show as such, I would rather take that profile of those two and find myself overweight. And I mean, I, I can, I think Rose is safe. My model really likes him, but I don't know what his upside is. That's just my particular opinion to where, like, even though my model doesn't necessarily agree, I would rather take the upside that I believe the Gala has for a course like this and try to get different there. Uh, I feel like you and I, and you just mentioned it yourself. We've been two big proponents of Tom Kim almost every single week where there is an overcorrection to this market that's taking place. Like that's a hundred percent the case. And I even made this argument. I have a Tom Kim minus 115 bet over Min Woo Lee in a head to head matchup. Yeah. He's missed back to back cuts, but we're talking about a golfer that had made nine of his last 10 cuts before that. They may not be of the finishes that we were used to when he first came onto the tour, but it's like such an overcorrection at this point. And in people's eyes, at least, the price tag is still too high that I, the ownership is going to always land in the sub 5% zone because nobody wants to use him. And, and I think he has legitimate, if he can make the weekend, like there's no reason why he can't come top 20, top 25 in this tournament. Um, so I would rather like take that approach to where I think Justin Rose has a very similar answer, but maybe more safety to him. But he's also going to be like four, five times the ownership is what I see right now. Yeah, I would agree 100% on that. Um, the the shamble one's interesting. At that ownership, I am out. Yeah, I think the shambles... I'll, I'll let him beat me. 
Yeah, he's super boomer bust. I made the argument that because all of his irons are of the same length, he might have some difficulty on these uneven lies and some of the sloping nature of this course. That's why he has struggled historically at Augusta. That's the same comp course that I keep running into over and over again there. So um, if everybody wants to overreact to a PGA championship performance from him, I like him. I like him. I don't like him at 15% for the volatility that he has. So let's see where that number lands before making a concrete decision that he's in or out. I just think if he pushes to that 15% range, he will be out for me. Is there anybody else that is popping off the page for you in the $7,000 section? I mean, Mito, he's going to be popular for everybody. So I just think he's safe. I have plenty of exposure to him in the betting market. So if I had to fade in DFS, I'm not opposed. Gary Woodland, I think if he reaches 10%, I'm probably going to be out. He grades fine, but I'd rather just roll the dice on like Brian Fox, Russell Henley, KH Lee. Um, Austin Eckrode is getting some ownership. I know he grades well for everybody and he's in great form, but I'll probably pass there. Um, other than that, you know, Siwoo, I think it's fair ownership on Siwoo. I like Seamus Power for potential GPP upside. Keith Mitchell, I don't like him here as much as I did at the Memorial, and he was kind of a mixed bag. He started off on fire, um, was damn near, I think, leading after midway through round two and then kind of fell apart. Uh, 6K range, don't love a whole lot. Um, I will keep a couple guys in the player pool, but I think the guy I like the most and the markets absolutely love him is Patrick Rogers. So I just wanted to kind of end my show on a Patrick Rogers note. I think he grades out fine, Stanford kid, but What's the ownership that you see? I see 1%. I just refuse to believe that the field's that dumb because they're going to look at it. I don't want to say dumb. It's just that, you know, matchups, he's a favorite everywhere across the board for guys, you know, $500 more expensive than him and guys that are right around his price range. I see 3.59%. Yeah, let's go Patrick Rogers in. Yeah, like to me, the player down the $6,000 range, and I like Rogers. I I agree with you there. It's probably going to be Andrew Putnam. Yep. That I, I was leaving going, him for you. He, he's in the pool for me just because you like him so much. So I'll ride it. Yeah. I really think he's an intriguing top 40 bet. The fast surface of Memorial. We saw him come top five there. Good U.S. Open history recently where he's making cuts, producing near that top 40 mark. Thought 6,800 was way too cheap for him there. Uh, we had some late additions to the pool. And I want to move back into the $7,000 range and just name a couple players I like. But before I do that, yeah. Uh, we obviously had a couple players that were entered like Michael Kim, Adam Shank, Emiliano Grillo. I'm trying to think if there was anybody else noteworthy. I mean, there was a handful of guys. I don't know if any of them were enough to move the needle there. Like it was a very similar. I always like Michael Kim. Yeah. I kind of, to be honest, I kind of like Shank and Michael Kim a little bit as options to consider. And it's, I don't think it's the same situation that we had with Jaeger at the PGA championship where they were late additions. And then all of a sudden, like I ran a model and my model thought he was like a top 25 play. Like none of those players pushed that far, but I was surprised. Michael Kim never grades well for me, Nick. I have told you this a hundred times. He was 43rd overall for me this week. It's the highest he's nice. ever been before. Uh, one guy. The numbers look great from a long sample size. Absolutely horrible from a recent sample size. Brian Harmon. Nope, played a lot better. Um, he was crying after Thursday's round at the Memorial. Okay. Played better Friday. Obviously, he was just in such a big hole, couldn't get out of it. You have any love for Billy Ho? I see a lot of ownership on him. 
What do you see for Billy Horschel? I see literally this is decimals. I, I see six and a half percent. Am I running something wrong this week? I don't know. Maybe you got a different turn. There's no way. No one's going to play Billy Horschel. Um, I don't know. I would agree with you. I don't know where that's coming from. I have, uh, I pull from, I pull from four different places and I take an aggregated percentage from those four places. There is one shop that I put a little extra emphasis on. So maybe they are overboard on some of these golfers, but like pretty much across the board where I'm looking, um, I mean, he didn't land lower than. I think he's made two U.S. Open cuts, maybe three in his career. No, four. We go back to 2014. He made a cut. T4 in 2013. Ten years ago, 10-year anniversary of Billy Horschel top five in the U.S. Open. Does that mean anything to you? I mean, people winning 10 years ago <laughs> always seems to mean something to me. Yeah, yeah. You love Webb. You love Brian Harmon and all these old guys. Jason Day, I guess he's back, though. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I'll keep Billy Horschel in the pool and see if uh, – there's just no way he's six. There's no way he's two percent up. Refuse to believe it. Can I take the over two percent? Yes, I will give you that bet. What contest? Million maker. Um, Need an answer. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, I think it, the thing is, is you might be more like I, I might be more right. I'll if go three. I'll bump it up to three. Three percent. Or that hurts you. That hurts me. Yeah. We're, yeah. This is counting. One and a half. 1.8. 1.8. Final answer. Take it or leave it. Millionaire maker ownership. Billy Horschel. 1.8. I think I'm too high. I think it'll be over 1.8. Okay. I will go under. And uh, how about a $20 free bet to the winner next week? Or whatever week we're back. I don't know if we're doing the show next week. We'll see. I, I need to make sure that these numbers are just not astronomically off for me. Because I feel like you're hustling. Twenty dollar free bet for one point eight. I mean, I'm... well, you're so matter of fact. Like the, I've learned from being a gambler, when somebody is that matter of fact, you have <laughs> there's to something some, wrong. You have to know at some point you're doing something wrong. Like for the person's like, oh no, just take the bet. It's only twenty dollars. Like yeah, it's only twenty dollars. But if Still I'm drawing lost. bet on the wager, all right, you let me know. All fair. I'll probably take it, but I'd like to double check to make sure that I am not running something wrong where it like double counted a percentage because it worries me more so that every single percentage that I have is so off based off of the numbers that you have this week. And I threw this together five minutes before the show. So maybe I might have done like a incorrect computation on there or something. That's fair. Uh, I, I did not expect us to talk about Billy Horschel for more than two minutes so that was interesting but yeah dude there's there's just there's no way he's even one percent owned so don't take that bet yeah i mean exactly you're trying to hustle me here like this is where i i i, I <laughs> well, do you this. said six percent i didn't know well, i don't think i think six percent too high but this is the kind of stuff like with model maniac like i just i lose like 20 bucks to him every single week where it's like oh you think this is going to happen? Like, oh, that's no way this can happen. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll give you the bet on this. And like, I just draw dead every week from somebody who's confident that like the bet's going to go one way or another with it on these totals. So I don't know if you're this matter of fact, I feel very, feel a ton of trepidation that I am being hustled here. And I have a good radar of hustle radar here. That's fair. All right. Anybody in the low sixes you like, let's say uh, below 6,800. I like JT Poston. I always like JT Poston though, so I don't know when the hell that started happening. I think you used to like him though. I have just you somehow <laughs> inceptioned me into liking him. 
Uh, Sam Stevens graded pretty well for me. Sure. And I'm going to go a little, because it's a major, I have to pick out a guy that's, you know, we could play the leverage game or whatever. I actually like to give picks. That's kind of what we do on this show. Whether or not it works out is another thing. Um, but then you always have fingers to point when it goes wrong. Just mm-hmm. yell at me on Twitter, uh, like we did with Norin at the Masters. I like Matthew Pavon. I don't have anything the to say. So I'll I'll trust you on that one. Guys, but, but, lighten it up on the European tour in terms of making cuts. I don't remember the last time he's been cut. Let me pull up his player card. He's a good driver of the golf ball. He's accurate. He's long. His iron play is fantastic of late. And he hasn't missed a cut since January 29th. I'm going to say Matthew Pavon is my Scottish Open version of Tom Kim this week matthew pavon another guy that's zero percent owned don't take the bet on his ownership with me um at 6600 okay so i, w- I want to say one thing very quickly which is probably where i mean obviously we're 45 minutes into the show here and this is not great you want a lot of my percentages game? are my percentages are off in every single spot unfortunately um like i i won't name all the sites that i pull from but like just as an example here uh, data golf. I see 0%, uh, fantasy national. I see, uh, Billy Horschel. Okay. Fantasy national. I, I see 0.5%. I don't know how I've gotten up to 6% on this. Like something is wrong from a computation of how I ran. This. You pro you weighted the 10 year top five U S open thing pretty heavily. I'm sure. I'm sure. Probably I mean, I, I waited 12 X on that. I waited something like that's kind of my point. I, I, I would like to, and, and I'll update it on my model and I will get that correct, but uh, I would be very careful on any of the percentages that I have said this week. I would push it more in the direction of what uh, Nick has given you for answers. Cool. All right. Let me see one of the guys. Oh, also, Chan Kim, four shots off the lead at the Corn Ferry event last week. Wasn't he and, winning uh, at one point? He was second at the, was it the BMW Pro-Am, I think it was. Yeah. I don't know if he ever caught the lead but I would love to see him back on tour. This would be a good course for him minus the putting. He would probably lose 10 strokes putting. Um, but yeah. Uh, any thoughts real quick on Poston? Uh, let's talk about maybe Adrian Moronk. I don't think I like Seabass anymore or Munoz um, as much as I thought I did. You did the strokes and sex in your model too. So we <laughs> could talk about fading fits potentially. Now you got the braces off. He's in LA, bunch of hot chicks out there. I'm sure he's just, you know, I don't know. He's so addicted to golf. I doubt he's letting the girls get in the way from him, but he's had braces for so long and he's got money and no braces, good teeth, major champion, reigning champ. I don't know. I feel like he's probably had some late nights out in LA already this week. So shout out to Fitz. Good for you. Um, any other convictions you like? Cage Lee or Vincent Norman? I know you're a Norman guy. I'm a Cage Lee guy. Thoughts on any of those guys at 7K? Fade them both or you like any of them? Uh, they are right next to each other in my model. Son of a bitch. Good work drafting and good pricing. I don't think there was a matchup on Norman. Rated decently for me. I don't think I saw it. There is a matchup on Cage Lee, but I haven't seen that. Cam Davis. Last guy that graded out decently for me in terms of expected output towards the ownership that we see there. It's a dog to Tom Kim, but Tom Kim is close to AK. Yeah, that's one of those situations where I'm not going to look too much into that. Um, How do you grade for you? What was his number in your model? 
49th overall, 42nd for upside. Yeah, so it is what it is. Just a cut maker. Yeah, I mean, a little bit bit more volatile than that, I would say, but um, kind of somebody in that range, like obviously his distance might be able to play well here. And and I, I am going to go back and I'm going to run some numbers. Like that's, that's the one thing is a lot of these answers for DFS are going to be so ownership based that whatever is wrong, I'm going to have to clean that up on the back end here uh, to figure it out. But like ownership aside, I do really like Russell Henley. I don't know what you see him at. Um, Yeah. Five. I think that's great for him. Yeah. That's what I, that's what also what I have. So I don't know what has gone wrong on certain parts of this. All right, 8K and above, favorite GPP play. New segment this week, because we, we haven't even hit an hour and 20 minutes like we usually would for a major. So I was like, all right, let's just bullshit a little bit, and then we'll get out of here right after uh, two questions. Probably either Finau or Sungjae. Nice, okay. 8K and above, ownership needs to be higher than 15% fate of the week. I'm going to have to tell me have you tell me if the ownership's higher than this now? Um, I'm going to regret doing this. I bet. Say it with your chest. Who no, is it? I don't feel good because I always play him. I'm going to say can't lay. Oh, I like can't lay. I, I do like too. I can't but... lay more than Hovland. Well, what? Okay. Um, wait, hold on. Before I give that answer, what is Jordan Spieth at for you? 15 right on then the I, I will take jordan speed based off of that i will all retract right. i am i am all sorts of not prepared right now for this show Nick. <laughs> it's okay i'm gonna go cameron young favorite G- gpp play at 8k and above fade of the week 8k and above oh boy it's so i'm gonna say victor hovland and i don't want it it's just i don't know who else the only other guy i took out of my player pool at 8k and above was the dustin and colin and they don't meet the threshold of 15%. I'm going to go Hovland. You're looking- 8K and below, or 7,900 and below, favorite GPP play and favorite fade. I will go first so you can think about this. I'm going to fade Fleetwood. Favorite GPP play. Ooh, I can't say Billy Horschel. That would be... No, he's Very 6% owned. You can't say him. <laughs> he's not 6% owned. <laughs> oh, fuck. Ah, man, it's like getting out of this Justin Rose spot feels like the right move here. I don't trust Tom Kim as much as I'd like to. Shit. That's a tough question. I mean, everybody's going to have the same type of question when they're building. Hmm. I don't want to say Russell Henley because that's probably your answer. What what percentage? So what is the percentage on McCarthy? What is your percentage on Mito? What is your percentage on Henley? See, Mito thirteen, Denny seven, Henley six, five and a half. So Henley certainly fits that mold for a GPP guy. I'm gonna go Thigala. I'll do it. I'm gonna pivot off that seventy seven hundred, Justin Rose and seventy five hundred Ricky Fowler chalk. Thigala GPP play. I'm gonna say Henley and McCarthy for me. Uh, that I like. They are probably two of my favorite plays for the ownership there. I am in and willing to whatever the ownership actually is on Fowler and Wyndham Clark. A fade is much more difficult. Um, well, the ownership there is going to be Wyndham Clark, Ricky Fowler, Adam I'm Scott, or you're in on Adam Scott. I don't like Adam Scott. Well, I, I know I was in on the first two. Um, okay. And then Fleet. So Fleetwood or Scott? 
I would be out on Fleetwood. All right. Any closing thoughts for the show? No, I like Andrew Putnam in the 6,000s. I'll throw him one more time. All right, Matthew Pavon, one more time. Let's do it. I always got a Euro guy or a foreigner that makes a cut at the big events. So it was a lot of money. Was Chan Kim two years ago? Was Tom Kim last year? Um, There's no Kim for me this week. Maybe Michael Kim. I like him. And then uh, we'll go Pavon. But yeah, that's all I got. Um, Check out our stuff at Action Network this week. Good luck to everybody. Hit us up on Twitter. We are always happy to be interactive. But again, I've been ice fucking cold recently. So apologize if you're following the sheet the last two weeks. Um, But I'm excited to make a big splash in uh, MME this week. We'll see what happens. Are you still up for the year? Yes. I mean, that's kind of the answer that I, I, I would give to everybody out there listening to it's There's ebbs and flows to these to, to every single year when it comes to, to sports betting, like you're never going to be smooth where every single week you find yourself winning money. You're going to win some tournaments. You're going to lose some tournaments. You're going to have some terrible weeks. You're going to have some incredible weeks being able to stay the course and being able to stick to the strategy that you have. Like Nick just talked about, he has gone ice cold right now. I'd give a very similar answer. Like I'm up, I want to say eight units on the year with everything. Um, if you want to disclose what you're up, Nick, uh, feel free to do so. I don't have it tallied right now, but just looking back at previous weeks, what would have obviously was a huge one for me. was hitting Wyndham Clark at the Wells Fargo. Yeah. And I, and I think Sam Burns at, uh, you've hit a lot of other than that early. I did. And right now I didn't won the entire year. Like I have gone ice cold and last year when, or I guess maybe it was two years ago. Time, time flies doing this show with you, Nick. Uh, it might be the first year that I hit like 10 outrights. Like we started the show and I was hitting every single week. And then uh, one of like, I had seven, one year, 10, the next year. And now this year I have one, but it's like, I always tell people the number of outrights that you're hitting is not the answer that you're looking for. It's the ROI percentage that you're actually getting in. And, and yep. it's not through one month or two months of wagers. Like we can't look at six tournaments and say, you're hitting this percentage of your ROI there's going to be the ebbs and flows that come into play with it. So um, always want to be more exposed to your matchups, your placements, your finishing position bets, your in-tournament head-to-head bets. All those things are going to be what ends up deciding a year for me. It's not going to be if I hit, I'd like to hit more than one outright winner. Like that would provide a better year. But technically the worst year I've had to date since 2017 at this point for where my total is at. And I mean, even still we're at eight units. So I think it feels a lot worse at times and maybe we've gone cold where we've moved in the wrong direction, but we're both still profitable. That's the encouraging thing. I think from a DFS answer, that has been more of a disaster for me than anything. That feels like that just has been south for about two months now. All it takes is one week. So let's make it happen. All right. So once again, you can find Nick on Twitter at six picks. I am at T off sports. And if you have any questions about the week from either a DFS or betting perspective, please feel free to reach out to us at one of those handles. You can also find us on Twitter at better golf pod. We should be back next week for the travelers championship. Uh, I believe Nick, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good tournament. We should do that. So we'll be there next week. And thanks again to everyone who makes this a part of their weekly research process. We could not do the show without you guys. So good luck this week. We hope you come back for the next tournament with a larger bankroll than you had to enter this event. Good luck. We will see you guys back here a week from now.